This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to exciting. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today, we're taking a break from all of the chaos and turmoil regarding the Sacramento Kings front office, and we're going to speak with the legendary G-Man, Gary Gerald, joining me, of course, longtime broadcaster for the Sacramento Kings, normally on the radio side. Gary made the transition over to the TV side to work with Doug Christie uh, for this eight-game Orlando bubble. He's going to share with us what it was like to call these games from an empty Golden 1 Center with the actual action happening on the other side of the country. Uh, He's going to talk about the behind the scenes, what it was like to put everything together to make your own energy with the lack of crowd. He's also going to talk about the Kings' play in the Orlando bubble, the disappointments, the lack of defense. Uh, Speaks on De'Aaron Fox, speaks on Marvin Bagley and his injury issues. Plenty of stuff. You're really going to enjoy this conversation and it's all right here for you on the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last five years. I'm approaching my six-year anniversary in Sacktown Radio, and this concludes my sixth season covering the Kings both as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and I am very excited to be able to speak with G-Man today. I promise you we will get back, of course, to this front office conversation. Uh, there's plenty still to talk about. I have uh, opinions on what's been going on. I've been engaging a lot of you in conversation on Twitter and on social media about uh, Joe Dumars, what his role is going to be, the likelihood of him and the Kings just outright hiring a GM and then stepping out of the way and giving full power to that general manager. I'm under the impression that Joe... Will will be a part of this organization going forward. And while he might not be interested in handling the day-to-day general manager jobs, uh, he still will probably want to be involved in some way, shape, or form in the decision-making. So we have plenty to talk about with that. I'm also working on getting a a great guest for you. Of course, we also have the draft lottery that's in two days. So we're going to dive in pretty soon. Uh, to our NBA draft coverage after we get that lottery result. So plenty of Kings conversation still to come, but I did want to uh, get this interview uh, with the G-Man in. Again, we're taking a break from everything that's going on with the Kings just to talk to G, but I still think you're really going to enjoy it. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with the legendary Gary Gerald. To be a play-by-play broadcaster or any broadcaster at the NBA level, you need to be very talented, but there aren't too many broadcasters who can jump between radio and television and go back and forth which uh, with the smoothness that we were able to see the one and only G-Man Gary Gerald do it. Gary, legendary uh, with the Kings Radio Broadcast for many, many years. Uh, we have these shakeups. We have this strange Orlando bubble time. This 2020 has 
has been just a weird year overall, and we got to see G-Man back on TV calling games that were happening in Florida from Sacramento inside an empty Golden 1 Center sitting next to Doug Christie. G-Man, did I get all of that right? It just sounds so chaotic just trying to explain it to people. It's already happened, and it still doesn't make complete sense. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, you talk about a huge challenge and, and it was a huge challenge. And I, you know, I look back at certain things that I wish we could have done differently. Uh, there are so many moving parts in something like this, uh, but it, it was a remarkable experience. And the fact that it wasn't it wasn't just us. I mean, it's all local broadcasters. Nobody could go to Florida. Nobody could be in the bubble it's just the network teams and only a handful of them that are able to do that. So it was a unique experience. It was a learning experience. Uh, it just, you know, we all wish from a King standpoint that it would have been better success on the basketball court in the bubble. And we'll talk about the success and how the Kings played uh, or really a lack of success in, in just a little bit. Uh, but you are someone, I mean, you've, you've spent the majority of your life around the game of basketball. So you understand how important energy and environment is to that game and how much uh, the, the game actually relies on the, the waves uh, that come from the crowd and how a home team can battle back when their backs are against the wall because of the energy that they take from their crowd and how a 6-0 run can turn into a 12-0 run just because of that buzz uh, in a building not having that I imagine was very difficult from a player perspective but even from a broadcaster perspective using especially coming from someone who does radio broadcasts like yourself does such an excellent job of using the crowd response to tell the story and almost take over the call rather than you describing the action was that very difficult for you to call a game when visually all around you is just an empty stadium it was bizarre to say the least it was, as we indicated, a huge challenge. And, you know, as I look back, I mean, the first three experiences were the scrimmages. And obviously there were some real shortcomings to deal with there. We didn't have a production truck at Golden One Center. We had a skeleton crew based in San Francisco at uh, the Comcast studios. Then you had the team playing in Florida. Then you had Doug and I at Golden One Center. So, not only did we not have headsets, we only had an earpiece. We had no talkback capability to our producer. So you just basically had to roll with whatever was thrown at you. And with the single earpiece, it was very difficult to hear anything from the arena in Orlando. So you're sitting in this vast, empty, magnificent Golden One Center, and there is no energy. There's nothing to feed off whatsoever. And then you complicate that by it's the first time that Doug and I have worked together. And normally, I would say that in a situation like that, it's probably realistically going to take a month to six weeks at best to find a comfort zone, to learn the little nuances so that you don't step on each other and you know what to set Doug up for and one thing or another. So you add all of these things together, and those first three scrimmages were extraordinarily difficult in my mind. Now, when we got to the eight play-in games, then we had a production truck at Golden One Center. We had headsets. We had the capability of being able to talk back to the producer. Uh, you had a cough switch. Didn't have that during the, the scrimmages. And if you get a little something in your throat or whatever – there wasn't any way to, to clear it out without, you know, 
bombarding your, your audience, which was, that was very uncomfortable. So a variety of different things. With all that said and done, I felt that by the time we got done through the eight games, while we were disappointed in what we were seeing in terms of success on the floor, there was a much, much bigger comfort zone with the entire process. And I was, you know, frequently thought about all the various broadcasters, many of whom I know and know well around the league, everybody adapting to similar roles and circumstances. And then looking ahead, is this going to be the wave of the future uh, from an economic standpoint? Because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know when the season, next season is going to start yet. And so it's, there are an awful lot of moving parts and it's, you want it to be, to seem like it is seamless, like you've been doing this all your life and that it's just uh, water rolling off a duck's back, but it was anything but the case. And, and I, I just, I look back on it and I say, well, that was a pretty extraordinary experience. And, you know, who knows what's, what lies ahead in terms of broadcasts for any sport, let alone the NBA. You mentioned your broadcast partner, Doug Christie, and going back to the issue of not having that that crowd energy to help you tell the story and, and feel like you're in that NBA environment. I have to imagine, well, first off, it's hard to believe that it's only been a couple of years since Doug took over for uh, Jerry Reynolds now as the, the full-time uh, analyst uh, on TV broadcasts. But being able to work with DC, the energy that he brings uh, to everything that he does, but especially to the broadcasts alone, I have to imagine for you that was a, a little bit bit of an advantage making up for the lack of crowd. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Doug's a pro and I, I really respect the fact that not only is he articulate, not only is he well-versed and, and he obviously knows the game inside and out, he, he'd be a terrific candidate for some kind of a coaching role in my mind, but you know, he, he's a quick study. And uh, he told me several years ago that back when he was playing days, he was kind of looking ahead and he said, you know, I was always kind of fascinated by your preparation work and what you had in front of you. And, and I've said many times, Matt, I don't have one of these minds that retains everything. I, and I have to have fingertip uh, reminders and I'm old school in the way I prepare uh, these spot cards that are loaded with different types of information that, you know, can lead you and help you, you know, extend your broadcast. But Doug said that he he took a close look at those on many times, like when we're doing him in a post-game interview. He's kind of looking upside down and, and trying to learn. And so I'm impressed with the fact that at a very early stage, before broadcasting was even anything that would remotely cross his mind, that he was observant enough to understand that you have to be well-prepared. And you just don't walk into it and, you know, like you walk off the street and just say, okay, let's do it. Uh, I've been very, very impressed with that. He's extremely easy to work with, and I have the utmost respect for his talent and his ability. Let me ask you about another one of your broadcast partners, except on the radio side, Jason Ross. Uh, of course, Dave Deuce Mason and Henry Turner as well, but Jay Ross getting the opportunity to to fill your normal chair on uh, the radio play-by-play duties. And he was also in the Golden One Center, a little bit of a different setup, but radio broadcasts off of a monitor, I got to imagine, is a whole other beast in itself. Now, I've had a, a plenty of off-air conversations with him uh, about that, but I wanted to ask you, as someone who's worked alongside Jay Ross for, for so many years, as, as someone 
someone who knows that the passion that he has towards broadcasting, towards the Kings, towards anything uh, that he does. Uh, did it surprise you at all that he was able to handle the challenge uh, of, uh, of calling these games a radio broadcast from the Golden One Center? Uh, and then was there any pride for you seeing him kind of step into that chair uh, that you have been in for, for so long? Well, there wasn't a doubt in my mind. I mean, if anybody could handle it, Jay Ross would be a guy who could handle it. He is a consummate professional. He's well-versed. He wears so many different hats, and he does it in such a humble, accommodating style. And I have the utmost respect for Jason Ross as well. And I, I just, you know, we've we've been side by side for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. And and he's he just, he fills so many different roles, and he fills them so well. So there wasn't a doubt in my mind that he was going to be able to handle it. Now, I haven't, haven't been able, I wasn't able to hear him along with Henry and Deuce, uh, but I, I know they knocked it out of the park. And I saw various reactions from social media and one thing or another. And I, I'm just, I was happy for him because you talk about paying your dues and, and being prepared in so many different areas that, that fit Jason to a T. And I, I just, uh, I hope that somehow, I mean, we have no idea how these things are going to go ahead playing forward, uh, that there are opportunities for him. And, and I just, there's not a doubt in my mind that he'll knock it out of the park. No question. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off of your order and zero delivery fees when you download DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Let's go to the Orlando bubble now. It's fair to call it a complete success, I think, at this point with the fact that there have been zero positive tests. Uh, I'm proud of NBA players, coaches, staff, everybody there for for honoring the guidelines as best as they can to make sure that that bubble has remained safe uh, and intact. And in that sense, it's been fantastic. But, G-Man, I don't know why I was blown away like I was. I should have expected it. But just the presentation of how the NBA has been able to put this entire thing together to build these courts and obviously there's there's playoffs happening right now but even for the eight uh regular season or or sprint games that the kings had to build these courts with those led boards in the background to give you some semblance of a major nba arena uh it blew me away i was very proud of that uh very surprised and, and pleased with that and I think the best way to describe it from an uh, from a NBA fan and, and a viewer perspective was 
within two to three minutes of the game actually happening, you forgot about the Orlando bubble and you just started watching basketball again, which is probably the best thing that the NBA could have hoped for. What are your general thoughts just on the production quality and and what the NBA has done to put this Orlando bubble together to make it as close to normal as possible? I was blown away just as you were, and I think most everybody was. But in a sense, I I didn't anticipate anything other than a huge success because when you look at the various opportunities over 35 years with the Kings and some of the international travel where the NBA is involved, a couple of trips to China, games in Japan, games in Mexico City, uh, having had those opportunities and seeing the attention to detail and the way the NBA is so good about anticipating possible problems. And most recently, of course, the trip to India for the two preseason games. And Deuce and I are sitting there doing handling the radio side, and Grant and Doug are doing the TV side. And that was a, a real precursor because you look at the countless millions of dollars that the NBA spent to make the India games a reality. Two games, back-to-back, Kings, Indiana Pacers, in a building that wasn't made for basketball and having to bring in not only the court and the lighting, the air conditioning, making provisions for lockers and space, cordoning things off, security, a list that just goes on and on and on. And to see the way they were able to do that, that set me up to say, well, you know, they'll, if anybody can make this bubble idea work, it'll be the NBA. And I don't know that people have near the the proper respect or acknowledging the fact that what they accomplished was just unbelievable. And when it first became known that this was the approach they were going to take, and they put out a booklet what they sent to teams, and I believe it was 113 pages. Wow. And seen some of these advanced pieces of work that they've done with international junkets and so forth. And you're just saying, my gosh, it seems like they there's not a thing that they haven't already thought about and found a way to address. And so really, really impressive. And the NBA is, I mean, for lack of a better term and, and shout out to Portland, but they're trailblazers in a lot of ways with uh, how, how professional sports are handling everything. Uh, just uh, leading by example. I know the NFL has, I'm sure, been paying attention to everything. The MLS also had an Orlando bubble that was very, very successful at the same time that the NBA was there. So they worked together, which was awesome. I hope the MLB is paying attention because baseball could use some of the popularity and draw uh, that the NBA has and that basketball has overall. So I was very proud of that from an NBA standpoint. Now let's talk about really the only negative thing about this Orlando bubble, G, and that was unfortunately the fact that the, the Kings Uh, could not take full advantage of the opportunity uh, that was placed in front of them. Overall, a negative experience for the Kings or from a Kings perspective, but there were a couple positives that I want to focus on. But before that, I don't know if I'm surprised at all by the fact that the Kings, who were red hot, winning seven of their last ten in March before the season ended, they weren't able to translate that months later in the Orlando bubble. Did you expect that? Did you expect a similar team from what we saw before the season ended? Or were you more expecting kind of the rust that we saw from not just the Kings, but from every NBA team? Well, I I figured that it would be a bit of a stretch to really legitimately feel like that they would be able to continue that run of success following the All-Star break. You mentioned 7 of 10. I think it was 13 of the last 20, 
and uh, they were playing their best basketball of the season, no doubt. Well, four and a half months is a huge bit of downtime. And then you add in the fact that there were four kings on the roster who experienced firsthand what the COVID-19 virus was like, yeah. and they're having to make a recovery from that. And then it's compounded when you get another foot injury, the other foot from Arvin Bagley. And so there were a lot of things that were, were working against Luke Walton and his staff right from the get-go. So was it a surprise? It was a disappointment for everybody involved. And I think the most disappointing thing was the fact that <clears throat> the Kings couldn't couldn't stop anybody from scoring in those first five games. And, and that's how you get yourself in a hole when you're back up against the wall. It would have been one thing if there were only one or two teams that you were fighting for a play-in opportunity. But the fact that there were five, six teams, and then look what Phoenix did, yeah. you know, that startled and stunned everyone. Nobody, nobody saw them going undefeated in those in those eight games. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. So it, it was it was an interesting experience from that standpoint. And yes, I think there were lessons that that were learned, and you hope that somehow going forward, you know, they can take advantage of that. But anybody will tell you, you got to be healthy. You got to be a bit lucky. And the Kings weren't healthy and they weren't lucky. And, and that's a couple of big obstacles to go against from the start. And to your point, G-Man, about the Suns, I both on this podcast and on KHDK in different conversations with different people said that I didn't even think that the Suns belonged in the Orlando bubble. <laughs> what was the point of them even being there? The fact that they went 8-0, and which full credit to Devin Booker, the numbers that he put up, uh, and then, of course, Monty Williams deserves all yep. the praise on the planet uh, for how he was able to get that team to play and respond in such strange circumstances. But the fact that you can go 8-0 and in this bubble period and that's still not enough to make it just goes to show you the level of competition that was there and how chaotic it was uh, from the very start. But they were a fun story. It was unfortunate that Bagley got hurt again. I mean, I feel so much for this young man. You've gotten plenty of opportunity to, to speak with him and interact with him. Uh, I've, I've spoken to many people around him that say that he is is having a hard time mentally overcoming these obstacles, but he's also very mentally strong with how he's overcome them to this point, the amount of work uh, that he has put in. And there are times, G, that I have to just take a step back go onto YouTube or, or go into our archives here at KHDK and listen to one of your calls or watch a TV highlight of Marvin Bagley to remind myself, man, this is what this young man can do. And I remember an opportunity that I got with you last season when Jason Ross was not there. I had the opportunity to work stats with you, uh, and it was the game that the Kings played the Spurs, and Bagley had a career high that night and also had that incredible 180 alley-oop dunk that you yeah, said on the yeah. call you'd just never seen before. It's times like that I need to remind myself, okay, this is why yeah. Bagley was taken number two overall, and he has such potential, and it's just this string of incredibly bad luck uh, that has kept him off the floor. How do you approach just this Marvin Bagley situation and knowing, man, the talent of this kid is, is through the roof. He just needs a bit of a break and just needs to get onto the floor. Well, yeah, you just, you hope somehow that, that, you know, these things are now behind and that he can go ahead and, and we can see firsthand, you know, the athleticism and the talent that he brings to the floor. I'm a big believer in Marvin Bagley. And I, I, I believe in his talent. I believe in his work ethic. And I can only begin to imagine how it, tough it is 
just from a mental standpoint to have to deal with this and you feel like you've come back and you've added some muscle and you're trying to bulk up and become stronger uh, in the upper body and then to have another injury sideline him, how difficult it must be to keep forging ahead. But I, I as I say, I have a lot of faith in him. I, I think that, you know, what, what makes it magnified all the more, of course, and, and let's be realistic, it's the fact that Luka Doncic has been so unbelievably spectacular in what he's accomplishing with the Dallas Mavericks. And that that hurts a lot of Kings. A lot of people hold an awful lot of resentment about the fact that Doncic isn't wearing a, a Kings uniform. I think I understand why the decision was made in the, the, in the system and it didn't happen. But I'm also a believer in you can't change what is reality. And the reality is Luka Doncic wears a Dallas Mavericks uniform. Mm -hmm. He's extraordinarily good. And it looks like he's going to be a generational type player in a very tough league. But he isn't a Sacramento King. So move on. I mean, that, that's the simplistic reality of the situation as far as I'm concerned. Maybe I'm naive in that sense. But Matt, that's exactly what I believe. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. But but going and and back to Marvin Bagley specifically, I don't know if it's a positive, but I'm trying to spin it into one for Marvin. The fact that we haven't seen reoccurring injuries with him, the fact that he hurt one of his feet, I think it was his what his left foot left. Uh, earlier mm-hmm. on in the season, and then he sprains his right. I've never heard of someone spraining a foot by coming down on somebody else's foot. I've heard of them spraining an ankle, but it's just it's the it's the continued bad luck. And I remember the injuries that he had his rookie season hurting his back, getting pulled down from behind for a rebound, hurting his knee when I think it was Malcolm Brogdon with the Bucks, uh going for a loose ball and, and kind of chop blocking him. Even DeAndre Ayton or, or whoever it was from the Phoenix Suns breaking his thumb just by swiping for a ball. I hate the term injury prone, but to me yeah. it's not the fact that Marvin Bagley has. It's not like he has knee injuries or ACL injuries or things like that. It's just these unfortunate things keep happening with him. The good news is he's young and time is still on his side. Well, yes, and and I think, you know, I don't remember the exact number, but he's only played a total in the first two years of like 75 games. There were 13 games this season. That was it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, hopefully he can fight through this from the mental standpoint, from the physical standpoint, that he can be properly conditioned, that he can, you know, stay away from any kind of an injury. But like you say, somebody swipes and breaks your thumb. You land on somebody's foot. I mean, none of these things are expected or programmed. They happen. It's part of basketball. So <clears throat> let's let's see what he's got going forward. And I, I still think he can be a very, very important part of any Sacramento Kings success in the future. It's that time again for me to tell you about another one of our fantastic sponsors here of the Locked on Kings podcast, Rock Auto. Buying car parts is really difficult. There's way too many makes way too many models, and now it's really impossible to stock all of the parts that you need in any traditional chain storefront. Instead of enduring the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Obviously, it's all about taking care of your car, but saving money where you can, so you can use it for other important things like your mortgage or your food. Instead of spending 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store, use rockauto.com right now and you'll have complete access to the best deals and a wide range of parts right there at your fingertips. 
Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're all reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based off of what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody, and it does not require memberships or account login. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Well, G-Man, let's end on one absolute positive, and that's the complete un... uh, Just you can't doubt the emergence of De'Aaron Fox. I mean, the the play, the games that he put together in the Orlando bubble, it wasn't just his 39-point career high, which unfortunately came in a loss against the San Antonio Spurs to open everything up. This was the first time, G-Man, I wonder if you feel the same way or notice, uh, noticed it. This was the first time I've seen De'Aaron cruise to big numbers. I mean, everybody talks about Bogdan Bogdanovich's 35-point game that he had, but De'Aaron was right behind him with 30 points and 10 assists, and it was one of those games that I've seen plenty of times from a Kings perspective an opponent do, where they play 35 minutes and they put up these big numbers and you sit back and you realize, man, I didn't realize they were having that good of a game. Kyle Lowry used to do that to the Sacramento Kings all the time. It's it's dropped off a little as of late. But De'Aaron had these games where he was scoring 27, 28, 30, and you're just like, he's cruising uh, to big <laughs> stats and big performances like this, and that makes me very excited. I mean, I think if, if this continues, hopefully we have a season next year, but if this continues, there's no doubt in my mind that De'Aaron Fox will be on an all-star team, hopefully next year, but in definitely years to come. Well, he's, he's got <clears throat> extraordinary talent. There's no question about it. He has toughness. He's learning, I think, the sense of, of you know, and I'm not sure I like the term of carrying a team, but you have to have somebody like that, that you turn to at critical situations who can come up with the big moment and deliver. And, and Fox, I think, in his three years, has, has taken substantial steps improving each and every year. There's a certain amount of toughness to him, too. Remember, he had a sprained ankle early in the bubble, yep. and things were looking really grim for the Kings. Well, he, he fights through it, and he finds a way to be out there and to contribute. And he, I, we know of his explosiveness. We know of his defensive capability. I think still one of the things that he'll be working on is finding that balance of, of when do you really you know, step up and, and get active defensively and have a bigger impact on the game. Because in my mind, and I think Luke Walton and his staff are absolutely spot on. I mean, if you're going to make improvement in this league and you're going to have durability, it starts on the defensive end. It's wonderful when teams score a ton of points, and we all like that, particularly from a broadcast standpoint. <laughs> right. Much more than a, you know, a grinded out one possession, use you know 20 of the 24 seconds on the shot clock before you launch a shot, et cetera. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the future for De'Aaron Fox. I'm excited about his growth. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited about what he brings to this team. And I, I just, I want to see him take that next step this next season. And, and along with what you were saying, I think he's, you know, he has got the capability of becoming an all-star player in the NBA. 
And then you talk about his growth too, G, just as a leader. Uh, you talk about the the Dallas Mavericks game, another unfortunate result where the Kings couldn't get a bucket in the final, what, three, four minutes of the game. And unfortunately, they fell back into something that's been consistent throughout these last 14 seasons, and that's isolation play going away from team basketball that got you there in the first place. Uh, but De'Aaron, after the game, nobody asks him about his decision-making. Everybody's asking about just the, the execution down the court. And immediately, De'Aaron, Aaron's the first guy to put his hand up and say, look, I should have been better there. I should have been looking for my teammates or looking for a better shot. The growth of as a leader. Now, De'Aaron was impressive as a leader uh, his his rookie season, but from then to today, how he will put himself in front and, and put himself uh, out to blame before anybody else, to me, is, is very uh, encouraging as well to see that area of growth from him. Well, he, he's, he's taken leaps and bounds in terms of that type of growth. And we forget that he's still a very, very young man. And I, I just, again, I think that, yeah, he's, he has got the talent. He's got the mindset. He has, I think, the mental toughness. I think he's got all the ingredients. And it's just a matter of continually working hard, fine-tuning, good concentration, and, and, and taking that, you know, the very next step. And it's, it's a process. And you hope that somehow he can continue to deliver. And I have every confidence that he will. And I, I love the fact that he is the cornerstone of the Sacramento Kings. And now one of the big questions, of course, is going to be, and that, that this opens up a whole nother avenue that we probably don't have time to pursue, but, you know, how are you going to handle him financially and what's going to happen with Bogey and what's going to happen with some of the other free agents? There are some really critical decisions that are going to have to be made in a reshuffled front office. And, and that's going to be the next big step for the Sacramento Kings as an organization. I wish I had an hour to spend with you. We'd talk about <laughs> it all. But, uh, yeah, another offseason just where every single decision will be dissected, will be overanalyzed, I'm sure, by people like myself. Uh, and hopefully, <laughs> in the end, uh, it will be progress towards the ultimate goal, which is getting this team back in the playoffs. It'll be fun to follow. Uh, G-Man, it's always a pleasure to be able to speak with you and have you on. And I, and I mean it when I say it was awesome to see you on the TV side. Very, uh, very different, I'm sure, for you but something that the only regret that I have is that we only got eight games and not the playoffs to, to hear more of you and Doug together. And I'm really, truly, sincerely hoping that those aren't the last eight games that we see you on the TV side with Doug. Hopefully that is a, a permanent change going forward. But it's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Thank you for uh, taking the time. Uh, and I appreciate everything that you do and all, all, all these 14 seasons that you've been through uh, calling these Kings without playoffless basketball. You deserve... Uh, <laughs> You deserve playoffs more than anybody else in this city, I think it's fair to say. Well, you're very kind, man. I appreciate that. And and I just, as I've said many, many times along the way, this has been a 35-year journey. I had no idea that it would extend this long. I've been blessed to have the opportunity. I continue to be blessed to have the opportunity. And no matter how it plays out, I have a passion for Sacramento Kings basketball. I love it. I love the opportunity. I love the people that I get to work with. And uh, hopefully, knock on whatever, uh, it, it will continue. Thank you again. 
Huge thank you to the G-Man Gary Gerald for joining me on today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I truly mean it when I say it is both a privilege and a pleasure to be able to speak with him. We will be back to more front office talk tomorrow on the Locked On Kings podcast, working on getting another guest specifically for that conversation. Also, the NBA Draft Lottery is in two days, and the Sacramento Kings, they won their coin flip uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans, so they have the best odds to get the number 12 pick. As soon as the draft lottery is done, we will dive into specific NBA draft coverage for you to see who would be the ideal pick for the Sacramento Kings to go out and get. And hey, maybe they'll get lucky in the draft again and move all the way up. They have a very low percentage chance of getting the number one overall pick. I think it's something like 1.4% or something very, very low like that. But hey, Maybe the Kings can get lucky again. We're certainly rooting for it here on the Locked on Kings podcast. If you want to respond to anything Gary and I talked about today, ask any questions about the Kings front office situation, anything is fair game, uh, please reach out to me on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHDK. You can also email me at any time, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I'll speak with you tomorrow. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings. Your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.